bar doors are once again open and today we discuss an artist who takes his money and runs, trial by social media and our good friend Peter Morgan from Tech for Togs discusses all things tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Photography Bar. Thank you for joining us. And uh, before we get into uh, the meaty stuff, I just wanted to say that uh, if you enjoy the show, please make sure to support us by subscribing to our YouTube and Patreon channels. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, all of which will be linked in the show notes. Uh, You can also leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast apps, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And with that, Mark, hello. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Yep. Yep. Very well. Thanks. Um, I am looking out of the window here at the bar. It's chucking it down with rain. Yeah. Winter and, is upon uh, us now, isn't it? It is. Yes, we are well into uh, the autumn. Uh, the autumn months, yeah. shall we say? Still quite um, warm. Still it quite is. Warm. Yep, yep, yep. It has been quite warm, and uh, so so at least we've got that on our side. Yeah. Now, and a bit of good news as well, because mm. um, uh, we, we've got we've got someone joining us later, haven't we, Cam? So uh, I'll, I'll just quickly let, let you know. So we got because we don't really know that much about tech as far as backup stuff is concerned and all that. So um, we, we've got a chap coming in called Peter Morgan. Uh, I mean, he is a photographer himself, but he also founded uh, Tech for Togs, which is uh, sort of like a, a business to help photographers with their with their, with their backups. He is a, uh, a an Apple and Wintel engineer, uh, backup and disaster recovery specialist specialist um who has been supporting individuals and businesses for over 25 years so i think that'll be an interesting conversation that we'll have a little bit later on when he pops in for a drink yeah that's right yes so that's going to be good um to because we're going to be talking about backing up work and uh, the yeah. correct way of doing things and the workflow that you should have and the importance of backing up our files and having a backup system and whether we go to cloud all of that and he's going to break all of that down for yeah. us which i think yeah. uh, which i think is great now mark i wanted to um start off with uh something where uh, an art based story shall we say and we as photographers you know when when we take when we when we shoot images we can do them for two or three different reasons one we could be doing them for a client and and we have to meet a client's brief Mm -hmm. and the other reason is that we could be doing something completely for ourselves and for our for our our own sort of uh you know self-gratification and and sort of saying that this is what i wanted to do this is about my work well photography is a passion isn't it isn't it's more than a job i think we've discussed this a few times you know um mm. i do take my camera to a lot of places other than work you know so it's yeah that's right yeah wanting um, to do. yeah and when i do work for a client my main thing at the beginning of that of the shoot beginning of the job whether it's photography or video is to make sure that i know and understand exactly what the client wants from what i'm going to be producing you know what are the client's goals why does why why does the client need the images that we're going to be shooting what are they going to use them for they're all questions that i ask you know and uh, sort of quite thoroughly so that i know that i'm familiar with what they would like and then from there i will make sure in the shoot that i i want to give them exactly what they're looking for but within that i want to also i i then have the the room and the flexibility to throw in my own ideas to throw in my own creativity as well but the main thing for me is making sure that i meet the client's needs i'm not one of those photographers that turns around and says well i'm sorry you know the images aren't what you're looking for because this is what i do yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You know, I, think, I think that's an element of having y- y- your own vision mm. in there. Um, mm. But no, you, you, if there's a brief, you've got to stick to the brief without a doubt. And uh, when it comes to the way you shoot, um, please uh, understand I'm trying to avoid the word style because, you know, I don't like that. Mm. Uh, but, um, you know, people will choose you because they like your work. So a wedding photographer, they'll have seen your work. They'll like what you do anyway. So there's, you know, there mm. is a reason for people choosing you. Yeah. And, and it, it does, I do find it frustrating when 
and they come back to that word style and well photographers have got a certain way of doing things or they're into something they might be landscape photographers they might be into sort of you know um close-up photography they they they, they enjoy doing a certain type of photography uh and you know um and i've spoken to photographers before and they'll say oh but the, you know this is what i do but at the end of the day to me it always comes down to the client now with there is not a not not a photographer here but we're talking about an artist who was recently um uh asked to provide some pieces two pieces of artwork to the kunsten museum in austria and there was a theme for this art project that they wanted to display in their gallery and the art project was intended as a statement on salaries in denmark and austria okay, okay. and so that's what the theme was and so the danish artist was was given two blank canvases for the project and the project was titled take the money and run okay okay all right so so if i said to you or anyone out there and i'd like you to all think about this if i said to you right i'd like you to go and do some photography uh, a couple of pictures i want you to present them for, for to me and the thing that we're going to give you is take the money and run okay yeah. um what sort of images would you be doing and I'm well, gonna, yeah I, 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 oh, it, and i want be, others it, to think about this those of you that are listening i'd like yeah, you to think about it's, this it's, 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 take it's, the money and run what would your images be i mean it depends how abstract you want to go i mean you could literally have someone running away with a wad of cash in their hands that's a bit obvious though isn't it um i mean you could maybe um i don't know you could make some political statement and just have a picture of an amazon van uh, you know about taxes or whatever, and I, you know, mm. I don't want to get into trouble with all of this. It is mm. a is a well known sort of theory or or, or um, thing that Amazon and Apple and all that they don't pay the taxes properly in this country. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is a a theory that people have. So you could take a picture of something like that. Um, ah, I don't know. I mean, you could have a picture of maybe a celebrity you think is a bit dodge. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's all there's all different ways. I mean, I'm just you know, I I didn't know you're going to ask me this question, so I'm just thinking off yeah. the top of my head. I mean, generally, if I was going to put an art exhibition, I would do several months of research and and develop ideas and and all that kind of stuff because that's how you develop it, isn't it? But mm. uh, but yeah. yeah, so um, I'm, I'm guessing because you asked this question, that's none of those things is what this artist has done. I'm well, guessing. Well, no, because he's actually been ordered to. But so he was paid for this to to provide two pieces of art, and he was paid fifty eight thousand pounds. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so you know, a, a nice sum of money to to present nice two of pieces of yeah. art. Okay, so yeah. he's obviously a well known artist here, and um, and the the artist we're talking about is uh, Jens Hanning. And he, it says the Kunsten Museum in Oldbrook had intended for Jens Hanning to, um, uh, it says to embed the banknotes in two pieces of art in 2021. It says, so let me, let me, let me read from the actual, uh, from the article. And this is from BBC. It says a Danish artist has been ordered to return nearly 500,000 kroner, and that's 58,000 pounds or $72,000 to a museum after giving it two blank canvases for a project he named <laughs> take the money and run well i mean i i think he's in his rights to do that to be honest because okay. so he gave it two <laughs> so he gave them blank canvases and he said that the work is that i have taken their the money money and run yeah. yeah and the court has now ordered him to return the cash oh but really keep, but keep some for expenses the art project was intended as a statement on salaries in denmark and austria the museum asked for the artist to return all the money, but Mr. Hanning has refused. Now, after a long legal battle, a Copenhagen court in Denmark on Monday ordered Mr. Hanning, 58 uh, years old, to, re to refund the museum 492,000 kroner. That figure, it said, was equivalent to the sum the museum had given him minus the artist's fee and the cost of mounting. Museum director uh, Lass Anderson said that he had laughed out loud when he first saw the two blank canvases in 2021 and decided to show the works anyway. Now, is that's interesting because yeah, he said he decided anyway. to show the works anyway because there's a picture of the canvas up on the wall. It's a big old canvas, you know. Yeah. So huge, you know, it's a it's a huge thing. It's an image on BBC from Getty Images. So it says he stirred up my curatorial staff and he also stirred me up a bit. But I also had a laugh because it was really humoristic. The museum's director, Lassie Anderson, 
um, said. And, it's, and I think it's a good answer to the brief as well. I think that's uh, mm. because it, I, I can't imagine. Right. Sorry. I, I know. I know. There's a bit more to say, but just to put my two pennies worth in, mm. you know, I just mentioned about you know about two minutes ago about how I would do a lot of research and I would really develop an idea. He may have had hundreds of ideas before he came up with this one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. When I mean, it says take the money and run. It yeah. says after the judgment, Mr. Hanning said that he did not planning. He did not plan taking the case any further. It has been good for my work, he said, but it also puts me un, in an unmanageable situation where I don't really know what to do. He told TV2 Nord on Monday, the museum had made much, much more money than what it had invested thanks to the publicity surrounding the affair. So basically, the museum have made money out of it anyway. Yes, they have. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I think this is a crock. I think he should be giving back the money. I think he should be keeping it personally. But, uh, you think he should be keeping it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, I, I guess that the spin that a lot of people are taking from it. Oh, right. OK, so he got this take the money and run. He just thought, I know what I'll do. I'll just buy some canvases and stuck them up on the wall. I mm. don't think that's the case. I think he probably did think of other ideas, mm. other ways of displaying take the money and run mm. and he came up with this one i think it's a genius idea because it's it's immersive art it is exactly what it is he's taken the money and run um and the museum have made them they still put the work up do you know what i mean, mm. I mean when he, i mean what, what was the conversation when when they received the work did they just when go it... <laughs> did they go oh these are blank canvases oh well we can't put these up we'll have to put something you know what did they do they they put it up anyway and made loads of money out of it I had don't... they not yeah had they not put it up that would have been different there's a picture of of uh it's a picture a classic picture of a uh of a canvas hanging in a gallery with the back of somebody looking at this and it's a lady and all she's she's standing right in the middle of the canvas and she's just got her head up and she's just looking at a blank white blank canvas that's all she's looking at and, you know, it goes back to the stuff that you see, you know, um, when people will just put a pile of rubbish together and say, that's art. You know, yeah, so there is a message in in everything, you know, uh, in everything that we see. And it's and it's how we do. But, yeah, the more you think about it, the more you think that how many of us, how many people and be honest, would have thought. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just not going to submit anything. I'm going to send a blank digital file. That's yeah. it. Take the money and run. That's what I've done. I've you've given me some money, and I've given you nothing, pretty much. Well, I have given you yeah. something, but but what I have done is I've given you my thought process in return. Yeah. But that's what art is, though, isn't it? The, the the piece that you see in the wall is a product of thought process. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not about painting pretty pictures or or you know anything like that or making a beautiful sculpture that's not what it's all about that's not what art's about art mm. is about the the, the 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 going through a process the the thought process of of someone that's why an artist is an artist because not everyone would have thought about that do you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. that's what makes artists different to other people it always annoys me when i'm, I'm in an art gallery or something and you know like um some some of the not uh some of the more um you know uh, more simple looking thing barnett newman is is, is a good example you know um uh, a, a really brief crass description of his work is is just a load of painted lines really uh right you know? but really he's 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 looking at i i from for me he's looking at negative and positive spaces and all that kind of stuff um but uh but yeah i i i you know there's more to it than what and you have to sort of really think about it art that you have to think about but you know, a lot of people might look at it and go, um, yeah, that's um that that's that's not good, that's not art. What's what's going on there? You know, um, it's I, I don't know, it's just that's what art's about. It it's someone a different way of thinking. Mm. Um so yeah, I, I think um I, I think it's a great idea. I, I, I don't think he should have um I don't think he should have had to have given the money back um i i think um and especially yeah. when the the museum the, the, sorry the gallery has, has made money from it i think this is an absolute racket so whenever anyone says to me oh, i'm entering a competition or have you got any ideas i don't know what to do and and i do this with a lot of students as well is saying that always remember that 
very often the simplest ideas are the ones that work the best. Don't try and overcomplicate things, you know, try and always do something that you know that first of all, you can execute and you can do it. And you might, you might do something that I'm not happy with it. So you go and redo it because you want to improve it. You know, don't set yourself a task. If you're doing a a series of photos or a project or something or a photo of doing something that you just know you're never going to achieve, you know, do something that, that maybe pushes you. But I think what this has pushed is the, is, is the, is the thinking now I, I, you know, the more you think about it, it is a genius idea of basically yeah. presenting a blank canvas, literally a blank canvas, you know. So, and as I said, he didn't just think of that. I mean, he may, he may have done. It may have been the first thought that came to mind. He would have uh, explored other ideas. I'm sure. He would have explored other That's ideas. What artists do. And he, and he may well need to have presented those ideas um, to a court or he may well have, they may well have said, look, we want to see what your thought process was. We want to see what your ideas were. So you may have had, drawing sketches all sorts of things mm. sketched out and ideas and if he did then that then this carries even more weight mm. you know um you know because sometimes you, you just sit there and you think and you think and oh actually but how many people also would have had the balls to actually do it that's the oh, other thing yeah. mark. if i turned around and said to you oh mark i've got this great idea we're not going to do anything we're just going to give him a blank canvas you you know yeah. i can guarantee that most people would have said no you can't do that don't be so daft no but it's true take the money and run this is what we're doing and i think a lot of people would have said no 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 we're not going to do that when even if they may well have just even drawn one line or even just signed it at the bottom and said that's it they should have i think i guess if he put like i don't know i I don't know is it you say it was corona the uh yes yes danish yeah so i don't know if if you got a coin which was the equivalent of a penny and just popped it right in the middle of of the canvas yeah then he probably would have gotten away with it yeah you know what i mean it's it's nonsense i i i think this is plus you know the law what what does the law know about art really um you know it's too i i i I don't know i was i'm surprised that he was forced to 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 give the money back because for me he's answered the brief yeah yeah he has yeah so i i suppose the thing is is that if 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 you are given this a theme of something to do with with photography you know you get you're going to do your little brainstorm ideas and yeah and and come up with all the things that you think you know uh, might work for you and everything um but it's just worth and and also research i think is key here as well look what other people do you know it's just a bit of advice here if you're doing something look at other not just photographers look at other artists look at other um other, other mediums as well you know to see what other people are producing because it can give you good ideas mm. which actually in many ways it leads because the power of the image is is a still image is huge power of video is huge which actually leads quite well into the next story because we're going to come in onto this in a uh, in a moment yeah uh, aren't we in fact let's do that um, well let's go grab a drink first shall yeah, we yeah let, uh, let's let's do that because we're going to talk about the power of uh, of the of the medium here yeah okay let's go and grab a drink all right Okay, right, and we are back again, feeling refreshed, and uh, yeah, got a absolutely. drink here with us. Okay, um, Mark, why don't you kick off with this? Uh, because this is very, very current and in the news, and it and it's going to run for a, quite some time, I think. Yeah. So obviously, we're recording it. Uh, I mean, we, 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 our episodes don't come out straight away, so we're currently recording this on the on on Wednesday, the twentieth of September. So it is pretty current at the moment. Um, so just to put that into perspective so and i want to be really careful in what in how we discuss this because obviously we, we've all heard the news about russell brand at the moment um and i don't really want to talk about him particularly but it is a good example of of something that kind of worries me but i don't but i under i kind of understand it i'm conflicted with it basically so um the, the reason i wanted to talk about this is because i was i was i was i heard today that Russell Brand, I mean, he's had to postpone. Oh, for those who don't know, he has there's his allegations of sexual assault against Russell Brand. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I, I, I've not. I mean, you you saw the dispatches, didn't you, Cam? I, I, I did seen it. Yeah. Um, but I don't really want to talk about his case as much. I just want to use this as an example because we don't know the ins and outs of it, and I think it would be unfair for us to do so. I'm not a supporter mm. of him particularly, uh, and I'm not detractor either. I, I don't really have anything to say about him, really. But um, his his tour has been cancelled or, or postponed because of these allegations. 
Um, but also the BBC have taken content that includes him down. I'm not sure if it's all of it, but a good chunk of the content that, that includes Russell Brand has been taken off uh, their sites and, and iPlayer and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also YouTube have decided to demonetize his content so he mm. can no longer make money from his videos. Now, um, some people out there might be going, yes, because he's, you know, this is a heinous crime that he's been alleged to have done. And I agree, it is a heinous crime. And, you know, the, the convictions of sexual assault in this country are appallingly low, uh, which is which is obviously another story. I don't really want to talk about that too much, um, but it is appallingly low. Um, but it does bother me that someone who hasn't been charged um, has only had an allegation. The police are only now investigating it. Um, he has basically st started to be cancelled. Um, you know, his his work is, you know, he's not allowed to make money on YouTube anymore. He can still post on YouTube, but he can't he can't um, earn money from it. Apparently, if he is found innocent and all that, uh, he can recoup that money. Apparently, I don't know how that works. But there we go. If he's found innocent, you know, part of our const we don't have a constitution here, but you know, our law does state you know uh innocent till proven guilty right um so it does worry me that we have uh, this sort of powerful trial by media you know we have mm. a we, we have a judicial system we have a police force that is who should be putting him on trial rather mm. than media having said that having said that harvey weinstein um was uh a a, a, a topic of a similar documentary to the dispatches one and that's what brought him down and that was a good thing because harvey weinstein was quite frankly a monster um i don't know if russell brand is or not because he hasn't even been investigated properly yet he's not been charged but yet he is being cancelled on social media he's been cancelled from youtube and the bbc have taken this down i have sympathies though for people like the bbc because their reputation is on the line you know if they do not if they if they keep his content on mm. their on their website you know his videos uh and, and whatever it is and he is found to be guilty then they might be considered to have been supporting him when he shouldn't have been and and all that kind of stuff so i am massively conflicted about it but i i it does worry me a bit that it, and, and and i want to be careful because i don't want to victim shame either because that's that's not on um because everyone has the right to, to to make an accusation but um you know if anyone can make an accusation against anyone and then suddenly they can't work um mm. and that worries me a little um yeah. what, do you, what, do, what do you think well i saw the documentary i, I saw it a few okay. days after yeah. it was I, I saw it a few days after it was i saw it a few days after it was actually aired and um what I, I, first of all i found it very uncomfortable viewing Okay, mm -hmm. and the reason for why I found it uncomfortable viewing, and I'm not actually talking about the the do, the, the the actual content of the document. No, not the content. I'm not talking about Russell Brand as such. Okay, yeah. I'm talking about him. I'm just talking about the, the the actual documentary. I found it very uncomfortable because it was a very very one sided documentary. Mm. Okay, so what it does is it goes to show that the use of imagery and and words alongside that can be made you know to to work a certain way it wasn't it wasn't at all a balanced documentary in any way and i'm not saying it should have been or it shouldn't have been i'm just saying that that's what it was it was a one-sided documentary and, and i so, guess people need to understand that when they're watching it yeah that's right yeah and after the documentary the metropolitan police announced that after the allegation, after the after the documentary, there were some additional allegations were made against him. And so I think that they were going to be looking into it. Um, but the thing is, is with that whole media circus that's going on around it, there's that danger that these malicious allegations you know they're going to be made on the strength of the media reaction to the investigation yeah you know and and it might not be and, malicious there might there might be proper allegations yeah that's to, right yeah i'm sure you didn't mean anything by that come but just wanted no to, um, right yeah just yeah enough. yeah no that's fair enough and and so but also that there is also then this there's this 
so everyone's going to be thinking, well, this person, and let's not now keep naming it because we want to, right, let's just say that this person is now facing trial by media and we think he's guilty because the media narrative is very, this person has been doing this and it's obvious and clear that he's been doing this. Mm. Okay, that's what that that's what they seem to be sort of saying. But the problem is, is now that if somebody then, the flip side of that is if somebody else comes out and makes an allegation and makes more allegations, okay, and then people are then going to be doubting those allegations by saying, oh, well, they're just jumping on the bandwagon of the media. Yeah. And this person now wants to is where this person just come out of the woodwork and mm. he or she is saying, this is what I went through and this is what happened to me and everything. And people can think people are going to be then doubting the, 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 Which, the yeah, what you know, could the, be a credible accusation. What could be a credible accusation. And yeah. that's worrying as well. So, so, you know, uh, so you, you have to look at all of these allegations and you have to, you know, you can't you, you can't blindly believe them. You can't dismiss them out of hand. You mm. can't just say, oh, well, that person stepped forward now. Isn't that convenient that she, mm. this happened 15 years ago? And why has she come forward now? Well, she's after yeah. money and whatever. But then the flip side of that is that she had her reasons for not coming forward or being yeah. able to come forward because of whatever the reasons are. Well, the really low um, conviction rate in this country, I think, is a really good it could well be that, yeah. People making a proper allegation. Yeah, so so we're all make so it's very easy to make private judgments about particularly about people in the public eye, you know, um and and the media, um, the power of the media, you can't underestimate it. And this is a classic example of the power of uh, the power of the way something is filmed and something is put together a certain way and it's creators it's content creators that are putting that that's what yeah. you know, that's what we are as photographers yeah. and videos we we use this word as content creators now this is quite serious because um you know they, they they've they've produced a program in a certain way with a certain narrative and i'm sure that they're not going to do it without good reason you mm-hmm. know and and they're going to be pretty sure of what they've got but oh, that's absolutely. not to say that's not to say that what they've got is going to be, you know, proven to be to be wrong. So, yeah. you know, um, and 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 it's like the previous story that we talked about about a guy who, you know, presented a blank canvas to a, you know, uh, you know, complete blank canvas to a museum and was asked to pay all the money back. You know, whether it's a still image or whether it's a bit of video. You know, the, 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 the amount of messages that I, 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 you know, I constantly read these. I see this little thing that says, is the power, is photography finished? Is the power of photography, does it, is it relevant or anything like that? Mm. It will always be relevant because still images and video will always, because we're, we're looking at more and more images than we ever did before. We're looking at more and more video content than we ever did before. Yeah. And yeah. We get, regardless of what you say, we get taken in by all of that. You know, mm. I know, I know what I think about this story. I'm not going to say what I personally think about this story and my feelings towards what I've seen and whether mm. I, um, you know, whether I think that this person is guilty or not guilty. Well, well neither I, of us are, are qualified to make that decision. And I think no. that's, that's the problem I have with this sort of trial by social media mm. is mm. none of us are qualified to make that decision. It, you know, let's. It doesn't look good. I mean, you know, there's, you know, Russell Brand in particular. He has, you know, confessed of being a, a sex addict. I think hasn't he, uh, as mm. well as uh, other yeah. addictions that he's had. So, you know, it's very easy for a group of people to go. Well, yeah, I can see this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we don't know. We don't know for sure. And ne- none of us are qualified. And and that's where I kind of start to worry. Because we all have access to a media platform, i.e., social media, mm, that's to put right. Our yeah, opinions forward, and you know, yeah, so we're not qualified to do that, really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and th- th- there's been a lot of stories. I mean, there was a, there was a, was, there was just a huge story, wasn't there, about Rebecca Vardy and Colleen Rooney, and <laughs> and and, 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 what was and that you called? remember. And Wagatha, remember, Wagatha Christie, that something one. like the Wagatha Christie. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was the, then there was that. Do you remember the whole Johnny Depp thing and the, yeah. you know yeah. being accused of allegedly being accused of of being a wife beater or something yeah. and and all of that. Amber and heard. that's yeah. right, yeah. And 
and the thing is, is is so reported on the media that mm. the media, you know, do have a responsibility as photographers and videographers and journalists. It's very easy to get taken in by something and 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 believe in a, a thousand percent in what you do. But there's also consequences to all of that as well, you yeah. know, in 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 images. Um, and we know that the power of uh, and here's the power of the media and what it's actually doing to somebody, whether that's right, whether it's going to be proven to be right or wrong. It's a different thing. Look what happened to Cliff Richard. He was yeah. he was hounded by the he was hounded by it all, and yeah. he really struggled from it. And in the end, he was he was given an official apology, and yeah, and, you know. Uh, and that that affected him, and yet a lot of people, and when it was all going on, just immediately believed it because of the narrative of the of of, of the, the media of the media. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know, there's a bit of a conspiracy thing. It's it also comes from the, the the Trump playbook, I guess. I mean, Russell Brand is saying things like, "Well, I've been saying things, and the media don't like it," and and, I'm, and this is a witch hunt. Mm. Um, I I don't know. I, I kind of take that those kind of comments with a pinch of salt. Um, but you know, it, he he could be right. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to know. Yeah, I don't know yeah. either way. I think I think this is something that's gonna. We we know it's gonna run for quite some time. Yeah. Um. And at the end of the day, we're we're all gonna be. It is gonna be a story that everyone's gonna be hooked on. Everyone's gonna be talking about it. Everyone is talking about it. Mm. And uh, let's see, let's see how it pans out. And it's gonna be very interesting to also to see what other documentaries come out because is there going to be one that's a little less biased is there going to be something that comes out where somebody says um you know no this is you know we're, we're going to be looking at it you know we're looking at it from both sides is there going to be a documentary that comes out or a series of images that come out that are going to be very pro russell mm. brand that are going to be saying look you know here's proof that he wasn't the, he wasn't guilty he's not guilty of all Just of these things that we're saying seem to remember uh, when there was a a big documentary about Michael Jackson before he died, I think it was was it before he died? No, it might have been after he died. Actually, it was after he died, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was after he died. There's a big documentary. Mm. I can't remember who did it. There was a big documentary about these, you know, the the, the alleged allegations mm. with children. Um, and then I think a couple of weeks after, the Jackson family released their own documentary, didn't they? Mm. Sort yeah. of debunking this, and, yeah. and he kind of left of. Okay, yeah. you have to make your own decision on, on who you believe. Some people yeah. believe the, the the original one. Some people believe the Jackson family. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's when you have such one sided documentaries, I, it, it's it's difficult. It is difficult. Um, some people might say, "Well, there is only one side to it, and and he mm. is guilty." And I, I, I like I say, we're not qualified to know. But it, mm. it, I guess it's a, it's a good uh, a good way to lead on to sort of censorship in general. Um, because we, 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 we have, we have to learn now to self censor, I think in a lot of respects, um, you know, cause I know, uh, a couple of years ago, I think we had uh, Rick from horrify me on and, and his stuff is quite adult themes that the pictures that he produces and he, he has to deal with a lot of the censorship stuff where, where, mm. where it's art again, going back to the, our first story today, um, and you know censorship it was always by some sort of uh ofcom or you know some sort of uh conglomerate of people who would pass judgment on a movie that needs to be an 18 or a 15 or a pg or whatever it is and and, and i understand why that's there but now with social media we are our own you know we, we have our own platforms mm. and quite frankly Quite frankly, none of these social media platforms are going to put any thought, any sort of effective censorship on their platforms because mm. they believe in freedom of speech. It's it's against their, their 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 ethos, really, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm wondering now, really, if it's up to us as the people to just be careful about what you post, just be careful about the things that you say. Yeah. Because you know it will. It will not necessarily come back to you, but it might come back on somebody else. And like I say, that there there could be innocent people who have been hounded for no reason. Like you said, Cliff Richard, you know, mm. I didn't read any of the tweets regarding that story, but no. I'm sure there are people out there who were convinced he was, you know, definitely guilty of what he's been accused of and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, when it turns out he wasn't. 
and I'm sure yeah. the same for the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. Um, but I, we, we just need to be careful. We we absolutely do because the yeah. the trial by social media is a modern day witch hunt. Whether someone's guilty or not, we have due process, and we do have to go through that due process. And I just think we, yeah, we we just need to be careful with it, basically yeah that's right yeah be interesting to see how this runs and uh we'll keep an eye on it as i said not from the story point of view but just on how the media is reporting yeah. it and what type of videos and, and stills they put out and uh be, be, be it will be interesting to see because i I've, I've got a feeling that some of the stills that are, there's gonna be as drip fed there's gonna be a lot of stills coming out and they're gonna be putting the person that we're sort of talking about russell brand in making him look in a compromising position so we say which yeah. you can when you watch the video and now those pictures may be taken out of context we don't know but again that is the power of the image you know there's that going to be a picture image. that's going to be people looking at a picture of russell brand thinking oh my god that's just typical of russell brand but it may be a completely innocent picture and it may be yeah it may be taken completely out of context so let's see what let's see what happens here yeah and i, th uh, I think as well as my call to, to self-censor i also would su suggest to the people that listen to us just don't take things on face value you know I, I like I said, I, well, I'm not qualified to know if he's guilty or not. And, and I hope the police do a thorough investigation and that the right outcome comes about. I really do. Um, but, you know, don't take things at face value. Investigate things. Be critical of the images that you see. It's very important. You know, something that I learned at uni, you know, look at an image, dissect an image. Um, really look at what's going on in that picture. Uh, or video um you know cr critique it basically because mm. that's the only way we're, we're going to actually have a proper discussion about not just this story but any other story you know mm. yeah. um because there's a lot of people out there who will who will have an agenda to try and and again not talking about this story here but any you know people will have agendas and will put out content to make you follow a certain agenda as fact and it might not be and you just need to be investigative about what you are looking at and really think about what it is that you're looking at and the message that it becomes and just learn to dissect that image all right okay peter's just walked into the bar uh let's go and grab a drink and uh and after that we'll, we'll talk tech i wanted to talk about the the importance of of backing up our work as photographers and videographers, you know, um, what things should we be doing? Um, what is a good workflow? What, what's everything that we should be doing to making sure that when we, when we shoot any type of job, whether it's photography or video, that we are backing up our files, we are keep, keeping them securely um, and making sure that we don't have any issues um, moving forward where we lose files where a client comes back to us in a few weeks or a few years even and says, you know, I'd like to get copies of my files and, and we can't open them because our files are corrupt. It's all that sort of thing. And I think this is quite important for photographers because it's very easy to not do the right things and therefore lose a lot of important work. So my first question really is how long should we as photographers be keeping a client's files do you think how long is a reasonable time limit for a customer to come back and say i'd like to do you still have my photos and we are in that time frame where we say yes or we say no we no longer keep them uh first of all can i just say thanks for having me at the bar uh, no worries. it's nice uh, that we get a chance to have a catch-up like this and yeah. just have, sit down have a chat shoot the breeze and have a drink right yeah. and we are talking about things that are <clears throat> you know very important for people's business but, you know, ultimately, it, it, this has got to be a sort of a conversation that we can have with everybody because it's so important, really, to kind of look at exactly what you're asking, really. Um, I think part of it is looking at how long, um, how much storage, you know, you can have um, and different uh, types of photography would generally require different lengths of time in my opinion so okay. for instance if you're photographing somebody's wedding i would say my personal opinion is to keep those photographs as long as possible because i give you an example my dad and i were talking the other day he's 85 uh, he's 85 just for a couple of days ago actually mm -hmm. and still in really wow. good health yeah. know, right? big age yes big age. 
Yeah, still still in really good health. And we were talking about wedding albums, you know, and I was saying how really wedding albums are the, the only kind of medium that doesn't age. Because years ago, we would have given somebody a floppy disk. And then perhaps maybe we would have given someone a, a CD, you know, yeah. maybe a DVD. So, mm. you know, if you want to keep your wedding pictures for as long as possible, digitally, um, you're going to need a lot of storage to start off with. Now, you know, you, client images should be kept for a minimum, I would say, of seven years. Um, and then you can look to put the onus back onto the client and sort of say to them, look, we've kept your images for seven years. Um, would you like to, we're going to archive them. Would you like to retain a copy of that? Uh, do you still have the copy that we've given you? Um, and, 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 you know, just ensuring that those pictures are kept. Um, it also gives a good opportunity to ask wedding clients uh, if they are, um, if they're interested in buying a, a wedding album. Because like I said, you know. <laughs> well, my, they are timeless, aren't they? I, yeah, mean, they, they, I mean, they, my, they don't change. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. When it comes to, when it comes to let, let's just talk about your average commercial shoot. Yeah. Um, we won't, we won't go into specifics of eight certain types of commercial shoots, but just your mm. average commercial shoot. So yes. How, for, how long would a client say, if you were to give a, a, a figure, what would that figure be is like, right, this is, we're going to keep, this is your commercial shoot. Okay. See with commercial shoots, everything is about specifics. I think when we deal with the license inside of things, we tell people that they can have pictures for a certain length of time, for a certain length of usage, you know, for a certain length of reach. And that's how we cost up licensing. Now, included within that discussion should be how, where, and until when you keep their photographs. Because so that the onus is not necessarily, because keeping every photograph, let's be realistic, it, it, it's a pipe dream. It, it, it's never going to happen. You know, I'm now starting to archive uh, wedding images from 10 years ago and, you know, being forced to kind of look at when was the last time the archive was accessed, you know, um, kind of uh, which photographs are accessed, what did I provide the client with at the time. That's acceptable with wedding photographs, but with commercial photographs, there's an onus, especially if you're looking at bigger companies like uh, New Balance, for instance, we we're the, we do ph photography for them um, and um, the national and governing bodies for swimming in Wales. The onus for them is on us keeping the pictures securely, but also ensuring that they have access 24-7 whenever they want. But there will come a period, um, you know, when I say to them, right, these are now out of your your a scope of work that you originally came to us for um would you like us to keep this for you for a longer period of time in which case there's a fee for that yeah. would you like to purchase a hard drive with them on in which case there's a fee for that i mean i know it's uh, this is going to sound mercenary for perhaps people who are just starting out but when you're well, no, it's it's important because it's if you're business, if you are storing right? it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why should you, if, if if especially if you have a contract saying, mm. well, we're going to hold the images for, let's just say, for example, three years. Yeah. Uh, let's say you say that, and then and then you've got them for over, and you're kind of like, well, you're contacting the client. Actually, it's a good courteous thing to do. Look, we've got these images. The contract was up is up now. Uh, mm. Do you want to still keep them? Is essentially what you're asking. Do you still need them? If so. If you want me to keep them, there's going to be a fee or I can sell you the hard drive or whatever. It's giving them yeah. options or you don't have to, you know, we'll just delete them and then that yeah. frees up. And, and most... it's not really mercenary, you know, it, it's part of yeah. the business, isn't it? I mean, I guess people did that with negatives back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I mean, I only even bring up that word because I speak to lots of photographers that are just starting out and they feel scared to ask for money for mm. because they're assuming that the client is going to say why should i have to pay for this you know why should i have to pay for that but i think getting yourself into the right 
mindset from the start that storage costs money. You know, your time costs money. Your skill, you know, costs money. Ultimately, you know, you might not be asking for a lot of money, but the very fact that there is a fee involved, you know. So, Cam, I guess coming back to your question, coming back to your question, look, I keep um, commercial jobs for a minimum of three years. Uh, weddings are kept for um, a minimum of seven years, but I, ha I do have, I do have um, stuff going back as far as uh, 2008. Um, yeah, I, I tend to uh, after the, after the sort of seven years, I'll delete all the images that were not edited and only keep the edited images. The reason and people say, why do you keep images that weren't edited? An example would be when a bride's grandfather passed away. She came back to me and said, do you have any photographs of my grandfather from the wedding other than what you've already given me? We'll happily pay for them. He's passed away. We want as many photographs as we as we can. I had about 15 images of him. Some of them were blurry or he was moving, uh, just weren't the right image. Um, gave her all the images, uh, charged a fee for it, um, you know, just for passing over the images. Mm. And, um, and, and ultimately she was incredibly happy that we had those images, mm. which yeah. She wouldn't have had if we hadn't have kept those. So there is a balance. Mm. Only you know your listeners can can gauge where their business lies. I will say, weddings you keep for longer than commercial shoots, and with the shortest time possible being quick shoots. You know, um, kind of mini sessions and stuff like that. You and you you'd you'd use that to your advantage. So you'd say when you walk out this door, guys. Um, any photographs you don't purchase will be deleted so oh. that we so that we've um, got space on our hard drives and it's an incentive people don't want mm. to lose those photographs yeah. as well right that's right yeah so you can think, use it for your advantage yeah mm. so i think it's a case of you as an individual making i mean there's no set rules but it's you as an individual doing what you feel comfortable doing and what you feel is reasonable so when it comes to the different back, backing up options, now that I know that we've all got our own different workflows, we're all with everyone out there that's listening has got their own, all their own different backing up options, and there's probably you know there's there's a myriad of options, some that we've not even wouldn't even consider because everyone does things differently. But let's talk, just talk about let's just say the three relevant options. Let's not go into every single one because. I think we've got to keep because I think what we've got to do is think about what's current, what's what's current technology, you know, what's the most efficient process. So what would you say? Let's and let, let's 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 talk about a wedding or your standard commercial shoot. You've just gone out. You've you, you've 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 shot a series of images for a client um, and you want to keep the original files and you want to keep the edited files. Doesn't matter what type of job it is. OK, but you want to keep everything that you've shot. Where are the three best places? What are the three best backing up options, would you say? Well, I would say the first thing is everybody has to have a backup. I know that goes without saying, but you'd be surprised how many people come to me and they're like, well, I have got a backup somewhere. I can't remember the last time it backed up. So mm -hmm. the important thing is if you're not Good backing point. up, you're setting yourself up to fail. Okay. Um, the easiest backup is the one that takes the least amount of steps to complete, right? You know, you say some people will come to me and they say, yeah, yeah, definitely backup. What I do is I take all these photographs and then I copy them over to this drive. And then this drive goes into this vault there and then this gets taken off. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's too many steps. One click, one, one button. And it should be as easy to test your backup as it is to complete the backup. Don't assume that everything's going to work perfectly. It's got to be tested as well, right? You know, you test your brakes on your car, you know, you, <laughs> you yeah. make sure they stop. So yeah. why not test your backups, right? I know that's kind of a stupid analogy, but <laughs> you get you get my point, you know. Um, so yeah, talking about different types of backup, okay? So the best one, um, so this, I should say, Talking about different types of backup, okay? So there is no real best one. You have multiple different types of backup and each one has their own separate uh, benefits, uh, pros and cons. 
So on-site, off-site, cloud. Those are the three relevant backups. On-site being something you store nearby to you, but on a different drive or in a different place to where your photographs are stored. Off-site is something physically away from where you are working, physically away from your premises, physically away from your computer, maybe in a different uh, house uh, location. It could even be stored in your shed. I've seen mm. that. I've seen that happen. Uh, the last one, cloud-based backup. Cloud is something you would use literally like Dropbox, like G uh, Google Drive, you know, Backblaze, CrashPlan, uh, Carbonite. Um, all of these are examples of, uh, you know, cloud-based backup. And um, that's just another type of off-site backup, but very different in the way it works to off-site. Less um, hands-on experience, really, you know. More and kind I guess, of... yeah, and, and, and those three options, which make a lot of sense, because what I personally do is I have backups of, uh, of all the work that I do here at the office, and then I do I do have a portable drive that I I do something that you said is not a good idea. Uh, when I, when I've done a shoot, I'll back everything up here at the office on a drive, and then I'll bring a drive that I keep at home, and I'll bring that in, and I'll copy what's on my office drive onto my home drive, and then I'll take that home drive. It's a physical drive, so I just yeah. know that it's a physical backup. It's the best way that it's actually done. And then when it comes to um, cloud, what I do is I only back up finished files because, to be honest with you, the amount of time that it takes to back up, uh, let's just say a whole wedding or any commercial shoot. When we do video, say, for example, um, you know, we did a video shoot last week and we probably had 250 gig of video files and we can't realistically back up 250 gig worth of files on a cloud system it would just take it would just take too long so yeah. so we know so, so the, the the best answer from what you've said is have physical backups one at uh, keep that where your office stroke home is um if you don't have a separate office you know from where your house is you know keep it you could even give it to a neighbor or mm. couldn't you, or you could give it to your, your parents or your, yeah. your best mate or something. Mm. Somewhere you can easily go and just access the file. Yeah. Um, you know, leaving it with a neighbor, I think is quite a good idea. Yeah. Mm. You know, I know my neighbors really well here at my office and I could quite easily say to them, look, would you mind if I just left this here? And every time I need it, it's just a physical backup. Yeah. The, the, the cloud thing though, is, is the one thing though, that is, I think is really important because you know, your physical, and I've had this problem, my portable mm. drives in the past, I've had, I've had a fair few portable drives that have failed. Mm. Okay. And they've been good quality portable drives. Um, maybe because they've got old or maybe because they're, they're, you know, I've got one that I just, I've been plugging into five different computers and I just can't seem to get it going. Okay. That happened. So backing up onto the cloud is the thing. So you mentioned a, a number of different cloud places like Dropbox, Blaze and those sort of, Again, just just limiting it to say three, and we're not necessarily, I guess, saying that these are the only three. But which ones would you say would be the, the first three that you should at least have have a look at, mm -hmm. and are the easiest to actually access? Would you say Dropbox probably? Dropbox is probably, yeah. Uh, Dropbox is probably going to be the easiest. Uh, Google Drive as well. Those are what we would consider non-commercial kind of you know solutions. Backblaze, I use myself. They do a number of different plans. There's a Backblaze plan that loads onto your computer that backs up everything that's on your computer as it changes. Um, the one that I use is a business version called B2. And essentially what it does is it allows you to... Um, so it's stored on a network storage device, like a big hard drive that I've got in the office. Um, and that literally drip feeds all the information as it's changed up to the cloud. So the, there's minimal involvement from me really, other than setting it up to start off with. Black, Backblaze works really well because it's very transparent. All their pricing is on their website and you know how much it's gonna cost for how much you're gonna store. If you want to pay less, you delete the things that you no longer need. Uh, if you don't, 
mind uh, how much you you know you pay you, you it'll give you an accurate guide to how much you're going to pay every month the uh, reason that i use backblaze is that it's got an app that comes with it that i can load onto my phone and i can see at any one time what is backed up in the cloud and download things to my phone or to a computer or uh, you know very you know very quickly cloud-based backups have been a trend over the years in that people have said oh you know this is great but what you have to remember is if you accidentally delete a whole wedding and you need to restore a whole wedding um, you're reliant on how fast your internet is to be able to get that data back um, and when you've got a client standing in front of you that says I need all my pictures now and you're waiting to download them if you live in a rural area that's where the fallibility of cloud-based solutions you know that's where they fail so having a multiple solutions solves this problem but cloud solution is a definite one that i would definitely consider mm. so now i want to now my next question i want to try and keep this answer as simple as possible because <laughs> i've come across this and i've still not understood it okay i have to be honest because i've had one of these systems and i think uh, now basically what i'm going to ask in a moment is what is a uh, can you explain very very briefly what is a nas system and what is a raid system now i think i've had a nas system from a company called qnap because one of the things that that i wanted to comment on the first thing was what you just said was that whether you have a physical backup at home whether you have a separate one off-site somewhere else and then when you do cloud nothing is a hundred percent safe and I know that I've experienced this because I've had portable drives that failed, but using a company like QNAP where I thought everything was perfectly safe, I was hacked. And I've mentioned this on the pod, mm. um, you know, uh, some time ago. Um, and basically the hackers are asking me for a few thousand pounds to let to, to you know, and I've lost years of files um, because of that. I've not gone back. I've not paid the, I've not made that payment. Luckily I've not mm. had to go back to those files, but I do know that all of the, I think they, they, they go back from probably, 2016 to 2020 something like that mm. um most of them are commercial jobs um and i've luckily i've not i've not been in the situation where i've had to explain to a customer look i've no longer got those files leave it a few more months and i think i'm within that safe period to say hey look after that three-year period we wouldn't have kept them anyway right mm. you know three or four year periods so now but so i think i had what is a nas system and i still don't know what the best thing is but very very briefly so that we don't over over complicate it as an introduction, what is a NAS system, and that's NAS, okay. and what is a RAID system, R-A-I-D? What do we okay. mean by that? Because they are backup systems, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, computer people love their acronyms, don't they? RAM. RAM. NAS and RAID. WYSIWYG, yeah. What you see is what you get, right? Yeah. Um, Let's take NAS to start off with. NAS, first of all, stands for Network Attached Storage, which means that it's like a big hard drive, but instead of plugging it into your computer, you plug it into your broadband or your, your router, your switch, um, and that makes the contents of that box available to anything that connects to the Wi-Fi, which can mean you can also connect with certain NAS systems to that whilst you're outside the house as well. So you could be anywhere in the world as long as you have the internet and you have the internet where your NAS is located, you'll be, you should be able to access the contents of your NAS. Now, in terms of how a NAS is put together, uh, NAS, comes, NAS is just the name of the enclosure really and by that it's the box that we physically put hard drives into they come in all different sizes from 1 2 5 10 25 drives the more drives that you fit into these nas systems the more redundancy you have so for instance if you've got a two disk redundancy and one of the disks breaks um you've got another one as backup okay mm. and it's a simple case of replacing 
the broken disk and the good disk should write onto the contents of it over to the 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 new replacement disk okay? okay so that's all a nas is is a bunch of disks hard drives physical pieces of hardware put into a box to work together now this is where raid comes in so raid redundant array of independent disks okay told you they like their yeah <laughs> they like their acronyms right just get together and just we got to make it a word. And, yeah, yeah, that's it. Raid sounds pretty cool, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it, does. it does. Yeah, J. But you've also got J. Bod, which is actually <laughs> just a bunch of discs. <laughs> uh, right, J. Bod. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's so you'll see J. Bod, you'll see Raid. Okay, so Raid essentially was um, an idea that uh, manifests itself in two ways, either as hardware or software. And now with hardware RAID, the program is written onto a little chip that sits inside the NAS. With software, it's written as part of the software that the NAS uses to arrange things. So if you is think there a of pros and cons between the chip and the software version, or hardware hardware almost exclusively tends to be faster and more reliable. Mm -hmm. um, software tends to be cheaper. But, mm. but less reliable. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what does RAID do? Well, it takes all those disks and it takes your files and goes, right, if we put all of those files on one disk and that disk breaks, you've lost all your data. So what we're going to do, this RAID system is very clever and it spreads your files across the disks. Think of it being like a jigsaw puzzle, okay? Um, mm. So say, for instance, I'm trying to think how to kind of describe this the easiest way. Say, for instance, you take a photograph of, of Cam there now, Mark, right? And we cut it up into four pieces, okay? Yeah. And on the back of that photograph, the physical photograph that we've printed, we write A, B, C, and D, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, we've got four disks inside our, uh, our uh, RAID array, mm -hmm. okay? And... Uh, what we do is we make a copy of that photograph, okay, a couple of times. And on the first disc, we put parts A and B. On mm -hmm. the second disc, we put parts B and C. Third disc goes C and D. And four, fourth disc goes D and A. Now, considering that the photograph takes four parts, A, B, C, D, to make up, mm -hmm. if we lost any one of those discs, we can put a new disc in and rebuild that photograph from A, B, C, and D yeah. that are on the other discs. Others, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's. it sounds complicated, but it, that's at its bare essentials how a RAID system works. It spreads the contents of your photographs across those discs, allowing the redundancy to, you know, work better Um because uh, you've got it spread over multiple discs. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? It, it does, actually, yeah. No, yeah. It, it does make sense. So that's, um, that's the way it works. And this might be a stupid question. You might have said this already. Um, but are these two systems, are, are they separate systems, or are they integrated? Can you use them together? Or So when you buy a NAS system, yeah. they will have certain... Um, programs built in most yeah. will ha have a raid system or will say yeah. that, that they've got a different type of raid some mm -hmm. will say they've got jbod in there right. jbod is basically you put the discs in there uh, and it'll show up as just separate discs yeah uh, so when you mount mount it it'll show us two two terabyte discs mm. whereas uh, yeah. will show and us one terabyte disc but it's actually one mirroring another now, the other thing that gets confusing and without going into too much detail is there's different um, there's different types of raid as well. Some are going to be suitable for photographers. Some aren't. We can discuss that in a later podcast because I don't want to yeah. bore your listeners. But essentially, <laughs> there's um, there's only two that photographers are really going to use is raid one and raid five. And that's just right. down to how the program stores the information across the disks. Um, right it's, but neither one is more reliable than the other it's just a different way of doing it would you say or um raid one tends to be slightly quicker 
when, yeah. when rebuilding, if mm -hmm. uh, RAID 5 becomes a little bit more um, easier for accessing your files because you're accessing from multiple disks right. at yeah. the same time. So, okay, yeah. cool. So, okay. yeah. Excellent stuff. Well, Cam, that's, that's loads to think about. Um, I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> to to put, I mean, I just use hard drives, and I do have two hard drives. One's at the studio, one's at home, and I just back them up that way. Um, but uh, I could, but there, but you're right. There are lots of steps to doing that, um, especially when you know the drive gets over half full. I have to delete mm -hmm. it and then put it on, put it on. So there's always like, a, oh my god, I've only got like one mm -hmm. copy now of all my pictures. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because this. I mean, and I'm sure we'll go into it because, we, we, by the way, everybody. We're going to have um, Peter on a few few of these podcasts because we, we do think this is really important. Um, but um, yeah, uh, it's it's good that you can have that sort of drip feed. It happens all the time. I do have a lot of steps to do with mine. I, I am quite good at it, but um, but yeah, no, it is really interesting. Cool. All right. I think that's probably it for tech uh, for, cool. for this episode. Uh, but thanks for dropping by, Peter. Um, thanks uh, for having me. Yep. Thank you very much again. Thank you very much, Peter. Yes. If you um, like what you hear, um, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Patreon channel. Um, please um, subscribe, like, link, do all of those. Uh, there's, there's essential five-star reviews, really essential uh, to keeping this podcast going so we can get really good and useful information out to all of you photographers and videographers. Um, and on that note, thank you very much. And we'll see you at the next one. Bye for now.